This is Kevin. And this is Ron. And this episode of Your Valuable Home is brought to you by Provia. Provia, a faith-based company that makes entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone, and metal roofing, all of incomparable quality. Welcome to Your Valuable Home, the weekly podcast for listeners who believe that residential real estate is the way to build wealth. Hi, I'm Kevin Kennedy, a working contractor and host of Your Valuable Home. Your Valuable Home is for homeowners and investors alike who want to acquire and improve real estate based upon educated decisions. And I'm Ron Milk, Your Valuable Home producer and co-host. Our weekly one-hour podcast is not about doing it yourself. It's about hiring the right contractor to do the right job at the right price. And it's not about flipping. It's about buying and holding to build wealth. Homeowners and investors who strive to create wealth and financial freedom with real estate and avoid costly home improvement mistakes. Your valuable home is for you. The Project Replay made redoing our kitchen and bath trouble-free. Your horror stories have kept us from hiring the wrong contractors. The college segments have taught us how to keep toxins out of our home, what to look for in replacement windows, how to borrow sensibly against home equity, and more. College teaches investors like me how to freshen up my rentals without spending a fortune. Their suggestions are great for ROI. It's time for Your Valuable Home. Another new show in the uh, you know the opening of the year, 2024. Kevin, what do you got? You got a kitchen story coming up, right? Yeah, we're it's a progress. Continue, continue. Yeah. we're at the final stretch, and it's just nice to see progress getting done. I'm sure homeowners like it, but we have Mike coming back on to talk about the project of his laundry room and kitchen. Both were done at the same time. We are getting close. So, Mike, why don't you talk about what it's been like for the past two and a half weeks that we've been there? Well, the past two and a half weeks have certainly been a lot better than the two weeks prior to that. <laughs> yeah, we're, as Kevin said, we're kind of coming down the final stretch here. You know, a lot of stuff has gotten done very quickly. You know, you're starting to see the final product take shape. You know, we're getting really close. We're getting really excited. And it's quite a change from what I would say was the first two weeks, which was primarily demo, seeing your kitchen ripped apart and not really being able to kind of visualize what the final product is going to be. But it's really exciting and then really quite Quite a big shift from what the first couple of weeks were uh, in terms of the project. So with your existing kitchen for our listeners that are getting caught up here, what were the existing cabinets and countertop? The existing cabinets were an off-white color. They were um, engraved or embossed a little bit in a pattern that wasn't quite our style. Cabinets were quite old. They had started to creak. The hinges would fail. And it just didn't have the look that we were going for. The countertops were a uh, dark black granite starting to chip in various places. Countertops were segmented and seamed in various places that were starting to come apart. So the kitchen was starting to come apart really a little bit. And, and now we kind of have a more modern kitchen with, you know, the typical white shaker style cabinet, a nice white quartz countertop with a little bit of a gray marl pattern throughout. I mean, it just looks like a very clean, crisp, modern kitchen. This is one of the first kitchens that we did in a while that we really kept with inside the same footprint. The reason oh, I this is that. in the footprint. Yes, the but it's a very large kitchen. <clears throat> okay. So we had plenty of space to add some more cabinets. There was a section in the family room which had cabinets that we had a sink, but we didn't use, so, or he didn't use, so I took the sink out, and we 
gave him another countertop with some shelving. There's another area where it was not really used too well for spacing wise. We put a couple extra cabinets and shelves in the corner right when you walk in from the laundry room. So there's a lot more user availability with this layout. And not custom cabinets. They were like off the shelf cabinets. No, right? these, are not, these are pretty high end cabinets. High end cabinets. Yes, okay. all, all right. very nice looking. But it also made availability for like the refrigerator. Everybody's been going more with the larger 48 inch refrigerator because the counter depth looks so much nicer. But when you go to counter depth, people complain about the space that you don't have. One of the lessons, when we put some pictures up on social media for the Your Valuable Home show, the higher end refrigerators have always been very slow to get there. How many years ago did you order the refrigerator? Uh, we ordered this, I think, towards the middle or end of last March. The actually unit we have is a 48-inch opening ready for the Sub-Zero that we're putting in. So that's a little bit of a delay. But for our listeners to understand that some delays can happen, but when we started the job, all the material was there. We got going and the flooring is done. Mike, you want to explain what's going on with the floor? Yeah, so the, the flooring is just a continuation of the rest of the floor that we have throughout the rest of the house. It's a five-inch hardwood that we got put down and we're just going to stain it to try and match and make it look like a seamless transition between the kitchen and the family room on one end and the kitchen and the foyer on the other end. One of my buddies is an awesome floor guy. And what was really nice about it is because a lot of these newer homes have the joist, which is the framing members underneath your floors. They turned. When it comes to real natural hardwood floors, you've got to go perpendicular to the flooring joist. So he came up with a few ideas and he just said, hey, let's just put it together and see what I can come up with. And he actually did a parquet floor herringbone type matchup because mm-hmm. he had to change the direction of the flooring. And I thought he did a phenomenal job with off the cuff. It looks fantastic. Yeah, you really, you can't really tell unless you're really looking at it. It was either between that and the kind of a turntable design, but yeah, this looks like a very seamless transition into the other room. So it's a herringbone style, right? Yeah, it just matched it. Every piece yeah, I, was turned. Yeah, well, the, the floor is rough right now, which is at raw, which means he's going to come back and take about a good 16th inch off of the flooring. He's going to sand it, which then is the existing floor in the foyer is going to be sanded also. And then he's going to blend from is there. Is that herringbone too? No, just standard application. Okay. But it's all matched all the way up through to this one area where it's angled off on a 45 degree angle to get into the family room. Mm-hmm. But it was because the floor joists have turned. How does he make it work so it doesn't look like a threshold? Both Mike and I, we, we agree, we don't like thresholds. Mm-hmm. And then when it turns into the hallway, which then goes into the laundry room, what I did was I took concrete board and then I moved it to quarter inch, glued and screwed, lots of screws. And then the tile is actually going to butt right up to it. So there's no threshold transition. You ever notice what people complain about is the thresholds because it's a lot higher. Yeah, right, exactly. Point A to point B. Mm -hmm. I like to keep it pretty matching so it's very minimal. So worst case, an eighth inch to a 16th in that area, the transition is going to be pretty minimal. So I like it better because it's just for a tripping hazard. You and I are on the same page with that, correct? Oh, yeah. It's from, you know, the transition on the hardwood looks fantastic. And if everything holds up on the tile to the wood, yeah, I'm I'm excited about it. It's going to look seamless. Well, Mike, why don't we go real quick and explain the laundry room, what you're doing in that room? Yeah, so the laundry room is really kind of a combination. Part of it's a, a mudroom entryway from the garage and the rest of it is, you know, just washer dryer and we had a old tub style sink in there and what we kind of did was on the um, mudroom portion we blew out a sliding door closet that was there and really kind of opened up the space to kind of have a little bench area where you can come in sit down take off your shoes put the shoes underneath the bench area for hanging up your jackets and then kind of making your way in through the kitchen. And then the rest of it is, you know, you kind of got your washer dryer, a new countertop with an undermount sink rather than the big tub style utility sinks on one side of the laundry room. And on the other side, an area to hang clothes, you know, jeans, 
longer style clothes to hang on a rod. And then on another side, uh, an area where you can kind of use as a tabletop to fold your clothes and put laundry baskets, things like that. So it's more organization, a better use of the space than what was there previously. It's huge. Yeah, I like the space right when you walk in. What was really funny is that when we, we were discussing this, so what Mike wanted to do was the door, since the door opened into that closet, the old closet, and now since the what he's talking about, that bench is going to be there. We put a new fire door in, a fire-rated door, and we switched the handle. If you're using it so much, so Mike, I, I think you were there with the story when I was telling you when your wife had walked out. She was talking to me and looking behind me, and I just installed the new door while her left hand was reaching for the handle. Well, the handle's now on the Joining right side. The side yeah. Okay. So we had a great, con- we laughed about it. Mm-hmm. So it's just getting used to all these little bit of changes, but it's a really great concept and much more user-friendly because of that storage area. The sliding doors that I had wasn't really used too well because it could really just hang some coats and put a shelf in there. Now it's used friendly throughout the entire mudroom laundry room area so we'll have those pictures up the granite i believe is going in another 48 hours you'll have full dial stone that's going to be in or you're using some type of man-made material correct no that is a quartz that's a quartz and we're doing something different on the island correct yeah so the perimeter of the kitchen is just a kind of standard bevel on the countertops and then we're doing a three-inch miter cut on the island for the kitchen. Uh, we're working together with the flooring guy, and everything's going pretty well. Mike, we'd like to get you back on at the final to talk about your whole progress. Yeah, it sounds like you had quite a project going on there, Mike. We're excited and, and happy to talk about it when it's all said and done. We're really looking forward to it. You got a doozer of a horror story. You just sent me a picture here. This looks like my first roofing job. <laughs> yeah, I like your comment, Julian. Like, what the heck is this? So far, our listeners, I just got a picture of sending for one of our listeners who is a roofer and doing the job right. He sends me a picture and he says, what do you think about this? And that's why I figured you'd take a crack at it first. A homeowner just received a new roof. And as I'm looking at the picture, which will be posted on our social media site... <laughs> When Ryan asked me, he's like, what am I really looking at? When you're looking at it on our Instagram or Facebook, your valuable home, you're going to notice that the shingles and it's old cedar siding. So at that shingle mark there, that's painted gray, that's step flashing. Oh, is that old cedar? That's what that is. Okay. Yeah, it's old, very old stuff. So step flashing when it's installed, it's installed in pieces at each individual roofing shingle that's placed down above the key line, which is where you don't see, it's got to be a new piece of step flashing, which takes the water and diverts it back outside the envelope of the house so it doesn't penetrate inside. So what the roof was just recently done, as you can see, this gem of a roofer decided to put the step flashing on the outside of the siding. And Alex wrote into me, he said, hey, I thought you enjoyed this. Uh, got a call for a water leak. Yeah. Any reasons? Guess why? Question mark. Basically, what they looked at is a wannabe new roofer because there's no possible way. I've never even seen this. I think once we did a show about this, somebody did this, putting the step flashing on the outside of siding. Now, Ron, I'm, I'll take a guess. Where do you think that step flashing should be? Inside the siding. <laughs> You I mean, think, it's, right? it's not doing anything. It's well, it's protecting. collecting water very nicely. It's, yeah, but, but it's not protecting anything. No. No. Now, how it works is that when you have existing siding like this, and it does, it gets difficult for a roofer if not really into siding, if they're just trying to sell roofing. How to properly do it is either you're going to have to cut a bottom of that portion of siding out. What you could do is a multi-tool, or I wouldn't say a reciprocating saw because it might get a little bit too difficult or chopped up, but I would use a multi-tool, should cut pretty easy, about three inches up, and then install all new flashing, and then I would put a piece of rubber over top of that existing so flashing. And then put another board over top of that, maybe like a, a polymer board. Yeah. Or if you want to put like a two by four, then cap it. But what you'll need to do with the so cap. So you don't have to replicate the siding. Exactly. Okay. It's basically, I always call it the stucco envelope when people have stucco mm-hmm. and they really need that flashing replaced. Well, there's nobody to take the stucco off. Now, by doing it, it creates a little bit of an issue. But with this type of siding, this is a little bit more flexible. If you put wood up and then you cap it, you still need to get a drip cap up under there. So you have to be able to slide metal up under that siding and then use it as a drip cap. So it just drains properly. It's very simple. 
simple to do for mm-hmm. roofers. What I'm talking about, it's easy, but for homeowners, getting a gist of it might get a little bit more difficult, but there is no way you can put step flashing like this over because in this picture, you'll notice between the siding and that step flashing, any rain that hits that, water's leaking down inside the house. And that's one of the reasons why, as I'm reading this, uh, the homeowner got a new roof because he was having water penetrate inside his house. This doesn't fix it. I'm convinced that this is not step flashing 101. No. What's horrible about it is that it makes it more difficult now for this gentleman here, Alex, who's going to come in to try to fix this. It is a new roof. So number one, you can replace those shingles because they're going to be still fresh in their mind, but they're going to have to replace it anyway because the the spray paint they used to try to paint this, see how it already leaked onto the shingle itself. So why would you put a brand new roof up, try to spray paint some step flashing and then have it blend all the way to the new roof. So now you have a stained roof from gray paint. (laughs) Hiring the right contractor, the right roofer to do the right job. I mean, how many times we talked about when you're getting a roof done. I mean, listen, take some pictures, have the roofer re- take pictures. That's the only way to do it. I mean, nobody's, I, would you go, and I'm not going to go up my roof to no. see if, if it's ever done, right? And it's the only way to do it, but don't just take an isolated picture. You've got to take a picture of the whole course of the step flashing, don't you? Correct. Yeah, yeah. what you could even do it is to- uh, Have if you, him take the picture. Don't have your customer go up there. No, yeah, well, you got to be safe. That's what you're hiring a roofer for to yeah. get up there. But even still at that point, ice and weather shield is is such a beautiful thing. I mean, you could even cut that siding out three inches up or maybe a little bit more. Get ice and weather shield and try to get up under the siding. Just kind of just feather it in. You only need a little bit of to get up in there because the only reason I'm asking to do that is because if you just caulk, whether it's going to be a window, if it's like a cheap installation, a replacement, caulk doesn't solve the problems. It's a temporary fix to get the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal here is that roofer should have gave a couple options. Number one, hey, listen, we have some issues with that siding. Uh, We're not going to be able to dress it, but uh, maybe we can do this way, this way, or this way, which is number one, strip all the siding down and put a new underlayment up. You're going to get a great job, no problems. Number two is you don't have the money to do it. It is leaking. Let's cut some of the siding back so we can expose the step flashing, run some ice and weather shield up, then put new flashing down, then put another layer of rubber over top of that just to ensure it, but to try to get something under the siding, even if it's a quarter inch because of hard driving rain, as it gets in there, I always use the terms of what's called a riglet flashing. Now, what that means is that if you have a chimney, you're not just moving this piece of metal and you put a flare cap on and just throwing wads of caulk in it and thinking it's going to help because all it is is protecting from that step flashing is that big wad of caulk. Riglet is actually cutting it into the brick or the stone face that's there to get the metal into that stone. Right. So gotcha. now it doesn't have an, an option of water just getting in when the sealant fails. Mm-hmm. And if you don't do that from the beginning or do this job, you're going to have a problem from here on out because that's You're going to pro- have a problem the next day after this is done, right? Pretty much. As yeah. you can see, it's a brand new roof. And yeah. uh, th- this company was called out and Alex had to go and uh, pretty much fix it. But I like to get him on. I know he's been very busy with all the storms we've been having here and trying to get everybody cleaned up and get everybody watertight. But I'd like to have him back on to see exactly what he did so we can take the picture to show how a roofing job is done and done right. This is not done right. This is not done right. (laughs) It's a disgrace to see something like this because now that homeowner has got to now pay money to get this redone. Listen, if your roofer is not explaining to you really in detail of what they're going to be doing because of seeing this, if they're just signing up as a contract, you ought to be asking a lot more questions than this. If you have a leak, ask why the leak is happening. Why is it coming into my house? Maybe go prior to signing the contract or if you sign the contract, say, hey, listen, show me the before pictures because I want to see exactly what you're going to do before and after and how you're going to solve it. To me, that's the solution to this problem. Just have the guy take pictures every step of the way along the roof. It's a cell phone picture. It takes you, what, a minute to do all that? Not even that. You know, it's not a big deal. 
And you're going to have a lifetime of problem-free when you yeah. do it right. I mean, I see, I don't understand how these roofers, I mean, I, I did roofing back from 89 to 96 when I was doing it. Why is it that I never had problems? And now everybody else, I mean, there's everybody's a contractor and they're doing jobs like this. And then the homeowners are getting caught in the bottom end is because they got to pay for all this to get redone. So hiring somebody that's going to be reputable, somebody that you know, somebody that's going to do the right job and make these extra steps, it doesn't take much to do it and you're never going to have a problem. Good advice, Kev. All right, we'll be back after we take a quick break. Hey, Kev, we can never, ever heap enough praise on Provia products like, say, their metal roofing. That's right. Provia Metal Roof replicates the classic look of cedar shake, quarried slate, and clay tile. Manufactured with 26-gauge galvanized steel and designed to withstand damaging hail, torrential rains, intense UV rays, and strong winds, a Pro-VM metal roof is the last roof you'll ever need. With your roof covering 60% of your home's exterior, you'll appreciate the value of a Provia highly aesthetic metal roof that improves your home's curb appeal, provides 50 plus years of protection, requires little to no maintenance, and generates energy cost savings. And Provia's metal shake, slate, and barrel tile roof systems are made right here in the USA with domestically sourced steel, a portion of which is high quality recycled steel. Hey, Kev, by current estimates, nearly half the nation's seniors entrust their health insurance coverage to Medicare Advantage. Yeah. That means that about 50% of our audience, 65 years old and older, have Advantage plans that many in the younger segments of our audience have parents with Advantage plans as well. Yeah. With health care accounting for a significant portion of most household budgets, we thought it important to explain the up and the downside of Medicare Advantage as compared to classic Medicare. Right. Pitchmen urging seniors to get all the benefits you deserve along with zero monthly premiums, it's easy to understand why millions of people 65 plus initially consider Medicare Advantage a big wow. Let's get into it with Ed Mitchell. Ed has been an independent insurance broker operating primarily in a five-county area in and around Philadelphia for the past 13 years. He specializes in the Medicare market and assists seniors in navigating the intricacies and variety of Medicare plans. Ed, welcome to your valuable home. Thank you for having me, Ron. When did Medicare Advantage come down the pike and why? So the origins of Medicare Advantage actually start in the 80s with the Tax Equity and Fiscal Responsibility Acts, or TEFRA. And what that did is that authorized Medicare to contract with risk-based private health plans. And those plans would accept the full responsibility, i.e. the risk, for the cost of their enrollees in exchange for a monthly per enrollee payment. Now, what we see now, the more current form of Medicare Advantage, actually came about in 2003 with the Medicare Prescription Drug Improvement and Modernization Act, also known as the MMA. The MMA updated and improved the choice of plans that beneficiaries had under Part C and changed the way that benefits were established and payments were made. So under the MMA, beneficiaries can choose from things like regional PPO plans or special need plans. And it actually further established what we now know as Part D, or the Medicare Prescription Drug Benefit, and amended Medicare Advantage plans to allow to offer that prescription drug benefit in addition to the health benefit. Why it came about there's really two stated aims that they have. And one of them was giving the beneficiaries a choice of health insurance plans beyond the original fee-for-service Medicare, so beyond the government's offering. And then the other aim was to transfer the risk from the government to the private insurance companies 
thus improving efficiencies and cost savings achieved by the private sector. Medicare initially was subsidized by the government. Is it still subsidized by the government? So Medicare Advantage is subsidized by the federal government. The government pays Medicare Advantage plans a set rate per person. The last available data is around $12,000 per enrollee per year. And that's what's called a risk-based contract. Even though the government pays $12,000 per year per person, if you have a chronic condition, that's where it really hits you, doesn't it? Well, it could hit you on a variety of number scales, a chronic condition or hospitalizations. There are certain plans called chronic Medicare Advantage plans that may help with costs for things like diabetes or high blood pressure. Now, those aren't offered in every area. The important thing to note is that Medicare Advantage plans are region-based, so what the plan offerings are in one state do not necessarily reflect what those plan offerings will be in another state because they are offered by private insurance companies. How many people are currently covered by Medicare Advantage plans versus classic Medicare plus a supplement? Let's look at the picture as a whole first. So there's about 50 million people currently enrolled into Medicare A and B. To be on an Advantage plan, you have to have Part A and Part B of Medicare. Now, Part A, you get for free for working 10 years or 40 quarters and paying taxes into it. Part B, you pay a premium for, okay? And that either comes directly out of your Social Security check or you pay it to the government in a quarterly or monthly basis. Now, you still have to pay your Part B premium even if you're enrolled in an Advantage plan. Of those 58 million people, roughly half of them are covered under traditional Medicare, and roughly half are covered under Medicare Advantage. Now, of the 50% that are covered under traditional Medicare, 6% of them just have original Medicare by themselves, no other coverage. The other 44% would either have traditional Medicare and a supplement, or traditional Medicare and maybe Medicaid, or traditional Medicare and a retiree health benefit attached to it. Say you have a traditional Medicare and you choose not to get a supplement, you really have an exposure, don't you? You do. You'll have what's called the Part A deductible. So that is $1,632 for each inpatient hospital stay, or the, and they call it a benefit period. So a benefit period is 60 days of uninterrupted service. And then under Part B, you have the Part B deductible, which currently is set at $240. After that $240 is reached, it's an 80-20 split. Medicare picks up 80%. You're responsible for 20%. And there is no cap on that 20%. It resets every calendar year, but that could be a big question mark to people who have no additional coverage. Okay, so how can the providers, insurance companies, advertise zero monthly premiums? Well, a lot of that has to do with the per enrollee amount that they're getting from the government to subsidize it. So they're taking that amount that the government is giving them, and they are saying beyond that, we do not need to charge the enrollee any additional premium. That's not every plan. Certain plans also do charge an additional premium. And they offer what's called enhanced benefits. But what you see a lot on TV, especially during the open enrollment and annual election period, you see your favorite 60s and 70s TV stars coming on there and telling you, hey, you can get everything for free, free this and free that. And that's what people hear. That's what tips them into looking into their options for Medicare Advantage. You're absolutely right. I think that is the single most important factor to people when they shop for a contractor to do a project, 
they always go with a low bidder, whether the guy's right or wrong for the job. And in this case, free is a magic word, but I'm probably going to get really taxed on the back end if I have a major hospital stay or something, right? Yeah. So yet again, each different plan and company has different benefits to it. So what we like to look at is we like to look at what the maximum out-of-pocket could be on one of these type of advantage plans. This amount is set by the government. So the government approves an amount that a advantage plan can charge. Now the advantage plan doesn't need to charge this amount, but this is more like the standard. This is as high as you can go. So right now for in-network services, your maximum out-of-pocket exposure could be as high as $8,850. And we're seeing a trend up each year. Last year it was $7,550. I have not seen it go down. <laughs> when you hear this talk, the government is going to cut back on Social Security, and that's been going on now for like three or four years, and they're going to come back on Medicare too. What hurts them more, the government, in terms of cost, Medicare or Medicare Advantage? So a lot of what the talk is of cutting back on Medicare Advantage is actually cutting back that per enrollee number. So that $12,000, starting to rein that back in. And I pulled a couple of figures for you. This comes right from the Kaiser Family Foundation. These are the guys who really track this stuff. Medicare spending for Medicare and Advantage plans was $320 higher per person than if they had enrolled and instead been covered by traditional Medicare. And to give that into a, a larger context, that difference in amount contributes to about $7 billion in additional spending than if they were just enrolled under original Medicare. So that's where we're seeing when they're saying we need to rein in spending for Medicare Advantage and things like that. That's what they're talking about. There's a $7 billion discrepancy between the two. So they asked for more money per enrollee, and it seems like it keeps going up. Every year they keep asking, getting more and more and more. And a lot of it has to do with what we're seeing with these additional benefits. So when I first started 13 years ago, started marketing these Medicare Advantage plans, the pricing and the benefits were pretty similar to Medicare supplement plans. What you got under original Medicare was what you would get under a Medicare Advantage plan, and a Medicare supplement would be just staying on original Medicare and then having the supplement cover the gaps. I mean, we're not talking a huge differential, maybe like 10, 20 bucks a month difference in premium. And then we saw this huge spike start to happen right around 2017, 2018. And then it seemed like all these additional benefits started to roll in. And it started with the fitness memberships. Plans started offering fitness memberships like silver sneakers. And then the next benefit after that was dental vision hearing, which is not offered to traditional Medicare enrollees. That is not part of the benefits of original Medicare. And then after that, now the next big thing is an over-the-counter benefit. They're giving enrollees a preloaded card to spend at a pharmacy that gives them X amount of dollars per month or per, per quarter to spend on things like vitamins, band-aids, toothpaste, pretty much essentials. And now the newest thing is a flex card, which is also a preloaded dollar amount that they are allowed to spend on specific medical services. So it seems like... Everyone's competing against everyone, but they're not really improving the medical end of things. They're just adding more fringe benefits. And in my opinion, I think that if the amount per enrollee starts to go down and the Advantage plans have to start reining things in, they're going to start by eliminating those fringe benefits. 
The medical side is harder to deal with because one of the agreements between Medicare and the Medicare Advantage plans is that actuarially the plans have to be as least as good as original Medicare. So they can be better, but they can't be worse. There are downsides to the Advantage plans that you don't find in classic Medicare. There are, yes. So one of the biggest downsides that people often complain about are the limitations of doctor and hospital networks. Medicare Advantage plans are what is called managed care plans. So in layman's terms, they're either HMOs or PPOs traditionally. Under an HMO plan, you have to stay within the network of doctors and hospitals that the plan coordinates with. In an emergency situation, they will cover you worldwide, but for routine care, you have to stay within their network. If you're on a PPO policy, you do have the freedom to go out of network. However, you're going to spend more by going out of network than if you were to stay in network. With the $12,000 stipend, I'll call it, from the federal government per Medicare Advantage enrolled person, if it's not required by the person who has that Medicare Advantage plan, does the insurance company keep it? Yes. Yeah, That's the, they're a for-profit company. So the goal for them at the end of the day is to make money. <laughs> so they're saying to the government that they need per enrollee $12,000, and that will make it worth it to them to offer these plans to the market. That's them taking into account. I'm sure that they're looking at it and saying, okay, this isn't going to cost us $12,000 per enrollee. Because traditionally, people who are on Medicare Advantage plans opt in because they start looking at the plan and they realize, hmm, it's a low monthly premium. I don't really go to the doctors all that much. So why spend more for insurance? These might be people who are maybe just enrolling into Medicare for the first time. They worked all their life and had work coverage. The company that's offering the Advantage plan is the same company that their work coverage was through. So they say... I know this company, I'm going to go with their Advantage plan. I don't see the doctor, so they're not going to make any money off of me. But in reality, they are, because regardless of whether or not you see the doctor or not, they're not paying the claims for you. So if they're not paying claims, they're making out on you, because they're still getting that money from the government. Well, not only that, but plans that operate where their constituency is concentrated in a large metropolitan area where healthcare costs have to be higher. Well, yeah, that just happens to be where it's just like saying the cost in Pennsylvania is going to be lower than the cost in California. So that's why they have these regional-based plans. So within our five-county area, that's where our plans typically operate from. They take a holistic look at the five counties, and then they come up with their calculations of what the average cost would be, and then they make their benefits according to that. Do Advantage plans provide coverage when you travel? Well, so classic Medicare is covered nationwide because it's a national plan. So as long as a doctor or a hospital accepts Medicare, it doesn't matter if you're in Pennsylvania or Alaska. Okay, they're going to take your original Medicare. Medicare Advantage plans are a little trickier. <laughs> it depends on the type of network that you have. If you have an open access network, the answer is you could be covered in a different state, but you really have to check on that beforehand. In an emergency situation, you're covered worldwide. If something happens to you, the plan will cover you as if it were an in-network service. But where it doesn't go is, let's say you have a disease that requires a specialist in another state. 
and you have a Medicare Advantage plan that's, let's say, an HMO policy. If that doctor doesn't contract with that network, you can't go to see the doctor unless you're willing to pay the full cost for it. Say somebody goes to MD Anderson in Dallas because they have a rare form of cancer and they have Medicare Advantage, and they live in Pennsylvania, wouldn't be covered, would it? Well, typically, yeah, it depends on the company and the type of network. But yeah, that's I see that a lot as well, where people travel out of state and don't really have the option to go see this specialist in another state in order to have the best care. Now, under a PPO policy, they could go see the doctor. However, they're going to pay more if that doctor's out of the network. That, to me, would definitely be a drawback. That would definitely be a disadvantage to uh, Medicare Advantage, right? For people who have situations that have to be treated by specialists that are distant. Yeah. One of the largest pitfalls that I see is people just taking it at face value. They're thinking that it has a Medicare in it, an advantage, so it must be better than original Medicare. I shouldn't have an issue with it if the doctor doesn't take the Medicare Advantage plan then my original Medicare will kick in and help out. And they don't realize that when you're on an Advantage plan, you're essentially replacing your original Medicare, that you don't have original Medicare paying any of your claims because you've signed up with this other company. So that's the largest thing, is that they're just not educated enough and they haven't looked through the full plan details. So that could be a major gotcha for a lot of people, right? That could be a major gotcha. And it has happened. Medicare recently changed the entire way that the marketing rules occurred with the 2024 final rule, which was part, I believe, of the Inflation Reduction Act. A couple of years ago, I mean, you may have noticed a lot of commercials on TV telling people to call numbers because they could get all of this free stuff. And these people would call in. The people on the other end of the phone would give them the rose-colored glasses versions of it. And a lot of them switched from their original Medicare over to these Advantage plans without knowing fully what was involved. And that led to a big headache for the CMS, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, come the new year when all these grievances and complaints were being filed essentially against these marketers (laughs) who were calling people up or having people call them. Yeah, every time I hear one of those commercials, or you don't hear them now, you hear them during uh, open enrollment, I wonder myself, how many people are going for that? Well, you mentioned that overall figure. We're at 50% now. They're expecting it to go to 53 by the end of 2025. Isn't there significant pushback to Medicare Advantage plans by hospitals and health systems? Okay, so there's a couple of different things. The first one is the hospitals and doctors networks are getting tired of the constant denials for prior authorization and services that would be covered traditionally under Medicare that these insurance companies are just outright denying or they're making it more difficult. And the delays in payments for services provided, the insurance companies are slow. And that's one of the biggest complaints that the hospital networks have. And then more recently, without mentioning any company names, but there is an allegation that a couple of the big name insurers have been using artificial intelligence to process prior authorizations and claims and that they find that whatever this artificial intelligence program is doing is actually denying more claims for a reason that's beyond any of us. And actually a class action lawsuit has been filed. Yeah, I heard about that. How do you deal with that? Well, so there's been congressional hearings regarding the use of AI in Medicare Advantage. Nothing's been decided yet, but I do expect there to start being some more regulation and more pushback to the CMS to set guidelines on how AI can be used in the processing of prior authorization and claims. 
Seems like it gets very complicated, but you still expect the enrolled figures to go up on the Medicare Advantage side. Well, not me. That's just the projection from the Kaiser Foundation, Kaiser Family Foundation. What do you think will happen based on your, I mean, you talk to people all day long, all the time, year in, year out. What's your expectation? I would say that it's kind of like a house of cards right now, that they keep building it up and building it up. And at some point, something's got to give. Either we start reining back the spending on it, or they just go full bore and give insurance companies whatever they want, and Medicare Advantage becomes the new norm. Like I would hope that the whole aspect of Medicare Advantage, like I said in the beginning, was to essentially increase competition, to give people the freedom of choice. But that's meant to level the playing field. And it seems like Medicare Advantage isn't playing on a level playing field because it gets harder and harder every year to explain to people, hey, original Medicare and a supplement is probably your safer route in the long term, but I can't offer you any of these additional benefits. Like you'll have to buy a separate prescription drug plan. You'll have to buy a separate dental vision hearing plan if you want those benefits. No, it doesn't come with a gym membership attached to it. It's kind of like they're stacking the deck against traditional Medicare in favor of Medicare Advantage plans. And it just empowers the Medicare Advantage companies a little bit more to say, hey, our plans are becoming more popular. So you need to keep funding us because people want our plans. Gives the plan holder more choice, but in reality, it doesn't. I mean, if the plan holder can't go to the doctors that that person wants to go to, if the plan holder can't go to a specialist like at an MD Anderson or something like that, where it's a heart specialist, cancer specialist, whatever, does it really give them more choice? Well, I mean, they're playing off the law of large numbers there. How many people are going to need that service compared to the others who are just going to their local doctor or their specialist once a year? For the corner case scenario, it's easier for them to just deal with it at that point when it comes up than it would be if everyone was saying the same thing. Like, we need this. (laughs) Are there limits to classic Medicare and the supplement? So I believe that in a lifetime amount, I believe it's at about $250,000 lifetime that Medicare would pay out. But I rarely ever seen it get to the amount where you would cap out under original Medicare because you have to understand that original Medicare's billing system is not what the hospital is billing. The hospital can bill you any amount they want. They can say that this Band-Aid costs $400. What's going to happen is they're going to send that over to Medicare to pay, okay? And Medicare does what's called an assignment. They say, no, based upon the average out-of-pocket cost of a Band-Aid, it's not worth $300. It's only worth $100. And then at that point, that gets sent back to the doctor's office. Medicare pays its portion, and then you would be responsible for your remaining 20% or the deductible if you haven't reached it yet. So you would have to rack up quite a bit of expenses in order to cap out original Medicare. There are lifetime days, right? And you can never use those lifetime days again. Once you use them up for, say, like a a really serious illness, they're done, aren't they? Yeah. So Medicare does have a lifetime limit of days. So when you pay your Part A deductible, that essentially covers you for the first 60 days. And days 60 to 90 have a separate co-payment charge. And then I believe days 90 to 180. And then I believe after that 180 days, you're given, I believe, a year of lifetime reserve days. Once you go beyond that, if after that, you have another benefit period that would extend beyond that 180 days, you would have used up the remaining amount. So you'd be on the hook for the full cost. Now, that's only for the hospital stay, not the services provided by the hospital. 
that falls under Part B of Medicare. But the room itself falls under Part A. So I see. I don't think a lot of people understand that. Does Medicare Advantage have the same restriction? No, Medicare Advantage does not have that same restriction. They operate on either a copayment or a flat per stay amount for a hospitalization. Think of it more as an a la carte menu. The more services that you have done to you, the more the bill is going to go up according to the copayment of that service. And that will eventually lead to the maximum out-of-pocket amount, which is that 8550 that I talked about. And then once you reach that, the Advantage plan has to pay for additional costs beyond that. That's what you have to pay for your medical. But more so, you would find probably a different issue with a Medicare Advantage plan versus traditional Medicare if that was happening. They would try to deny coverage for a prolonged hospital stay. So what I see with Medicare Advantage, especially with an inpatient stay, whether it be skilled nursing or inpatient, is that they constantly want to be updated and they want to reapprove the amount of days. So the one providing you the service is constantly being bombarded by the insurance company to say, okay, when can they leave the hospital? When can they leave? We're only going to improve X amount of days because this is the condition that you have listed for them. And what you start to see is people will start getting letters saying that, okay, you have to go in the hospital while your recovery time is limited to, let's say, 72 hours. And then the doctors and the hospitals have to fight to get more time. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you have to appeal the decision or file a grievance against the insurance company and hope that you win your appeal or grievance and say, no, I need to stay here. And that's not what you want to have going on as you're going through a major health incident. Overall, what in your mind is the best deal for the plan holder, Medicare and a supplement or Medicare Advantage? I think that the safer long-term route is someone being on traditional Medicare with a Medicare supplement plan attached to it. And I think that it just gives you the freedom to go to whatever doctor. You don't have to deal with referrals or the prior authorizations from the private insurance companies because most of the time Medicare is going to approve the charge unless it's something that they traditionally don't approve and they wouldn't approve for anyone. Well, Ed, this has been an eye-opener for me, and I hope it's been so for our listeners, either those who are 65-plus or younger people who have parents that are in this situation. So uh, how do people get in touch with you? People can either reach me at my office email, which is emitchell at yisonline.com, or they're free to give me a call at 610-420-0521. Thank you for having me. Remember the name Provia, your single source for professional class, entry doors, storm doors, patio doors, vinyl and wood-clad vinyl windows, vinyl siding, manufactured stone and metal roofing, products made with latest technology and honest old-world craftsmanship, the Provia way. That's this week's podcast. If you want us to share your home improvement project or horror story, email me at kevin at yourvaluablehome.net. That's kevin at yourvaluablehome.net. And don't forget to tell your friends and family about Your Valuable Home, the weekly podcast that's all about building wealth in residential real estate and hiring the right contractor to do the right job at the right price. 